Hello everybody, welcome to the High Jiu Jitsu Podcast. I believe this is episode 29. And over here to the left of me today, we have my good friend and confidant, Senor Panza. Senor Panza, that's a good one. I don't going, know what man? a confidant is though. You're, my, you're the guy, you're my man. I'm the, I'm the man. Yeah. I am the man. The man, the man. I'm doing well, how are you? I'm good, man. I'm very, very good. I'm very excited because we have an epic podcast uh, episode today. It's a good one. Um, and I'm ready to get into it. Are you ready, Maddie? I was born ready. Oh, hey. Well, the episode uh, today, to compete or not to compete? That is the question. Have you ever competed, Maddie? Many times. How many times? I have lost count i would say off the top of my head i've probably been in 20 20 25 competitions yeah well that was right. over about white and blue belt a lot of competitions so you competed heaps at the beginning huh yeah i did um yeah right awesome um so we won't probably, get in probably lost more than i won so probably like a not that it really matters. Probably about a forty percent win rate. So sixty percent losses. Just food for thought. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, how'd you come up with those figures? Uh, I lost a lot. Yeah, yeah I fair know. Enough. I know. I lost a lot, but I kept trying, and I had wins too. Yeah, beautiful. Um, I had multiple wins in a day. I had multiple losses in a day. Um, it was fun. So. Jiu-Jitsu, by its nature, is a martial art, right? Mm. Martial arts were created as a system of combat designed for self-defense, as well as you know spiritual and cultural development. So if you read uh, Mind Over Muscle by Jigoro Kano, he talks very much about the spiritual aspect of um, Judo. You know, um, it's combat. You know, it's maybe it's hand-to-hand combat. You know, in some uh, martial arts, they specialize in like in weapons defenses and attacks and things like that. Like kendo is the ancient art of sword fighting. So they, you know, clearly they're, they're, the centerpiece there is the sword that they're using. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, <clears throat> first jiu-jitsu, Gracie jiu-jitsu, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, I guess Gracie jiu-jitsu as it was back in the day, um, had its competition from other martial arts. In Brazil, where Gracie jiu- jiu-jitsu originated maybe not where jiu-jitsu originated but where gracie jiu-jitsu originated don't want to get too controversial here um representatives of other styles you know like luta livre and judo would would challenge um the jiu-jitsu guys for superiority which one is the best martial art that was the biggest question back in the day and then slowly but surely gracie and now you know also known as brazilian jiu-jitsu went into the next phase of its own development. And that was to pit its own competitors against each other to prove who is the best exponent of jiu-jitsu. Side note, do you know who came up with the, word, uh, with the idea of Brazilian jiu-jitsu? I do. We've talked, uh, I've talked to you about this before. You've told me before. It was Master Professor Pedro Sauer. Yeah, that was actually really um, interesting. And uh, maybe we're not supposed to talk about this, but... Well, in any case, I think um, one of the Gracies the eldest son, um, put a patent on the words Gracie Jiu-Jitsu so no one could use it anymore. 
So then everyone else had to come up with different different idea, different title of jiu-jitsu. And that's how Brazilian jiu-jitsu came about. And I think, yeah, I think Master Sauer was the first one to kind of, um, not trademark it, but kind of, um, you know, to, to create that title, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So whatever you want to call it, similar ideas. And I think now Brazilian jiu-jitsu has morphed into its own thing and Gracie jiu-jitsu is morphing into its own thing as well. I think that comes to the nature of... Uh, martial arts. I mean, you look at judo. Judo a hundred years ago is very different to judo now. It's morphed into its own thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, then by extension, you know, like you have um, European judo is different to Japanese judo. Yep. Like Kodokan judo, I guess, is like one arm of Japanese judo. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there's other aspects of it, and there's different perspectives of it, and there's different interpretations of the art, and mm-hmm. you know, there's nothing wrong about that. You know, um, anyways, this idea developed further, you know, to the point like of, of where competitors go up against each other and to the point where now there are thousands of jiu-jitsu competitions happening around the world, pitting jiu-jitsu versus jiu-jitsu. And this is like for the medals and for the titles, um, for the title of champion. Like everything in life, there are consequences to certain actions. And whether these are positive or negative would depend on how you look at the situation at hand. Does that make sense to you, Maddie, so far? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Are the joys of jiu-jitsu locked in competition now and forever? Or can we enjoy jiu-jitsu and learn and flourish on the mats and off without the rigors of competition? Let's discuss. Well, mate, you can, without a doubt, enjoy jiu-jitsu without competition. All right, I was speaking to a particular black belt yesterday and he was saying, you know, post-COVID, he's like, you know, there's no competitions about and a lot of the boys and girls in our school have kind of lost lost the heart for training because there's no competitions for them to look forward to. And that actually hit me in the head, like, and I was like, whoa, could you think, like, I, my brain has not gone there. I've not once since COVID lockdown been like, oh, there's no comps, so there's no real need to train. And of course, it's my job and, you know, my life is jits. But how about yours, Maddie? Just because there's no comps on the horizon, um, does it stifle your desire or your enthusiasm no, to, to train? My passion for jiu-jitsu is to learn it. Competition was fun. Mm-hmm. And I would like to get back into competition. Absolutely. I'm not going to deny that. Like, I haven't competed in years. It's fun. Can I ask? Um, this might be diverting a little bit, but whatever. We're here to chat. Um, what's stopped you? What's stopping you? I've been wanting to learn. Yeah. And that's not to say I can't learn and compete at the same time. I mean, that's totally that's that's totally possible. You can learn and compete. I feel personally, I learn through making mistakes. Yeah. Uh, we've talked with the idea of the, the a thousand failures before you get a light bulb. Um, yes. I, I learn through making mistakes. When I'm focusing on a competition. Who was that guy again? I don't know. <laughs> uh, Thomas, Thomas Thomas Helio Gracie. Helio Gracie. <laughs> he invented the light bulb. <laughs> um, Mr. Edison. Mr. Edison. Uh, Einstein. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I um, far out now. I've lost my train of thought. Sorry. I, that's right. I don't find competition. Uh, what's the word for it? It doesn't encourage growth in the sense my focus is only on winning. 
And if you want to be aggressive and tough and quick, explosive, sure, focusing on competition will, will hone in those aspects of your game. Mm-hmm. But I don't necessarily think it'll get you technically. I, I don't think your Better. technical improvements will be as profound as when you're exploring and playing and understanding the mechanics. That's not to, again, I'm not saying you can't have both. But for me, and I'm sure for a lot of people, it's easier to learn learn them individually and then apply the two later. And I've been really focused on learning and I've just been enjoying that process. And look, I, there's, there's zero criticisms to that because I think you have every right to enjoy your training without having to like force yourself into competition, mm-hmm. whether for intrinsic or extrinsic factors you know whether it's like me saying come on maddie you gotta compete and represent high jiu-jitsu and win some medals for us or whether it's you being like shit i'm not doing jiu-jitsu properly because i'm not competing um and i think it's beautiful that you know you're enjoying yourself and having fun with competition um he that that leads nicely into our next point under pressure under pressure i don't know what song you're going for that's it sounds like you're doing um Vanilla Ice. Under pressure. That sounds like Ice Ice Baby. David Bowie. Um, sorry, sorry, <laughs> people. I'm really sorry. So, one thing that's certain about competition is that it puts you in an uncomfortable environment where you can test the things that you know. And the things that you do know um, that you don't know definitely come to the fore. Mm. And there's been lots of talk about the perils of staying within your comfort zone. You know, and apparently nothing great happens in your comfort zone. So you got to go out of your comfort zone all the time. And I think like societally, that's like forced down our throats a lot. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's like, you know, the, the fitness industry or, you know, like, I don't know, whatever it is. Like everyone's like, you know, comfort zone, get out of your comfort zone. And I think you got to be careful with that stuff. But regardless, you're, you're definitely not in your comfort zone when you're in a comp. You have people around you that are watching. You have the pressure on yourself. Mm-hmm. You might have told your friends and your family and your teammates that you're competing. And you're going to have the questions the day after. Say, hey, how'd you go in the comp? Or, I lost first match. That's I had to say that a couple times, a few times. And it wasn't fun. Yeah, many times. Because you put your head down. Oh, yeah. I lost first match. <laughs> you know, I, I once, this, I, I had a boss. This was years ago. I competed like the weekend before his last day. He was the head of the head of the, the, the department. Yeah. So we went out for drinks, and I remember he he was like, "Oh, so what happened in your competition on the weekend?" And this is on a Friday night. We've all had a bunch of beers. I was like, "Oh yeah, I lost my first match," and he's like, "You're a pussy." Yeah. He just started <laughs> calling me a bitch, and this is like this little five foot five foot tall got like man, he's got little man syndrome, uh, <laughs> and he was like the most least physically imposing guy you've ever met. He's never trained in his life. Then you're the bitch, huh? And he started like he obviously had too much to drink. He started calling me a pussy, and so like, yeah. okay, thanks, mate. Yeah, like, <laughs> way to rub salt in the wounds. Yeah, but there will be people rubbing salt in your wounds. Like yeah. I had friends, I had a friend who does he does kung fu. He's like, oh. he'd always wait for afterwards and he'd have this smirk on his face. Oh, how'd you go? Just waiting for me to say, oh, oh I lost. You know, he'd, oh. he'd start laughing at me. What, what, what did he do when you're like, yeah, I won a state title? Well, that's what started happening. Because like I, and my first few comps weren't the best. And I remember like going like, I, good I, I had success, day, man. man. I had a lot of, not a lot, you know, and it wasn't mostly local. I'm definitely not talking myself up, you know, but um, I was like, Towards the end, especially at Bluebell, if I was in a comp, then I was gunning for the 
for the gold medal, mm. I felt. And of course, I, a lot of the times I came short, came up short, but I was there and I was going for it. And that's because I ch- competed just like you. I competed a lot. Mm. And then I started getting used to it and started getting more comfortable with it. Mm. Um, and then started finding success naturally. So, um, so yes, you know, jujitsu, it's an uncomfortable environment for, the, for those reasons, for the mates and the bosses that want to talk smack to you afterwards. Um, for the people that are screaming at you and potentially the like the very passionate especially when your team's there and they're all yeah yeah all the passionate teammates and um the rival teams that are there screaming and shouting and man just the buzz i remember the first time i went into a comp um i I walked into the arena and i was like oh my god there's an energy in the air yeah it's like it changes the moment you walk through that door yeah it changes and it's like wow so there's pressure which isn't a bad thing Mm. So if you wanted to delve outside of your comfort zone, there isn't too much more intimidating than pitting yourself against a student from another school mm-hmm. with those dozens of spectators watching around you or even online now, you know, maybe the, the subversion boys and girls on the weekend that have like thousands of people on Facebook just watching them mm-hmm. and criticizing them from the comfort <laughs> of their own sofas oh, you know, I at home. I could have done that, I would have. Oh, that, he's so shit. You know, <laughs> yeah, this like, and that. So, you know, you've got five minutes on the clock where you test each other and you try to win on points or via submission. And you know, you've competed and if you listener have ever competed, you'd know firsthand the butterflies that come up in your stomach, the sweaty hands, the stare downs with your opponents. You know, even like, I remember being in the bullpen and then, you know, seeing the name of the, the opponent and you look at the opponent and you look at his belt and if he's got a really old belt, you're like, oh shit, this guy's been training for ages. Uh-oh, uh-oh. So then you, you know, the adrenaline starts to dump and even though you know that those thoughts aren't conducive to performance, they still come up, you know, and it's, and it's part of your, I guess, uh, mental fortitude to, to know which thoughts to put energy in and which yeah. thoughts not to put energy in. Um, you know, the adrenaline dumps. Um, that's, a, that's, a, that's a feeling in and of itself. And I think a lot of people in today's society don't remember what adrenaline feels like. Because, I mean, what's the... What cause do you have for an adrenaline dump in your everyday life? Well, it depends on how you live your life, you know. And there's some people who, you know, um, some people seek it too much, I think, you know, and they're just kind of like the adrenaline junkies. Um, But that's like, it's up to them. I mean, it's it's what I'm saying is like you're Donald Cowboy Cerrone and you're doing motocross and you're doing all this, like, you know, crazy stuff just before a fight like things like that i think you got to relax a little bit like, but when I, like knocked my teeth out skateboarding bombing a hill it's just yeah. a huge hill on a skateboard hey man shit happens right but you know in any case like there's um yeah but you know the regular person somebody who just lives a normal day-to-day life like regular life mm-hmm. i don't think experiences well who knows like too much adrenaline um so when you do feel it oh not yeah it's it's a big one Hey, here's a question. How was the, f- the first time you felt that adrenaline dump? How was it? Uh, Explain it. Put it in words. It's almost like you black out. I'm not saying you black out in the sense of uh, you're drunk and you've blacked out, but you're, everything kind of narrows. Your, your whole body feels like it's on fire. Yep. Um, or you just can't. It goes numb. Yeah, and then but then... You your legs become, get wobbly you become tired you want to crap yourself yeah absolutely <laughs> uh, it's fight or flight right and you're you've committed to fighting at that point 
well, you've you've said you want to fight, and yeah. then maybe just before the fight, you want to flight. Yeah, your, your body's you know, like, like <laughs> oh shit! Yeah. But it's just it's the fun of it, you know. So when you're just about to jump in a roller coaster, and it's like, all right, oh, yeah, yeah. go. And then you know when you're in the roller coaster and you reach the apex and you're just about to fall, you're like, no, please stop, please just pause, no, no, no. Yeah, it's all <sighs> it's, it's all good from there. And you go all the way down, you know, but you just have to ride the wave. And I think adrenaline hits people differently. Like I remember I'd, I'd have adrenaline like the day before, but it's like this real slow. It's like it's like someone's got a tap, yeah. And I'm starting to just drip it, yeah. Like yeah. just a drop coming out every little bit, and it's just this tension i feel in my body the day before competition i guess everyone's different some people could be totally relaxed or whatever it is yeah yeah yep. um and then some some days you turn up on comp day and it's just like opening that that tap to maximum it just pours out yeah so um i remember um my first comp i've spoke, spoken about this before but you know being being put in an armbar Stephen Bonora is this guy. He's currently still training. We follow each other on Insta. Um, he had me in an armbar. I remember, and my arm, like, I don't know. I don't know what happened. It was cranking. It was cracking, and I was like, I just didn't. I didn't acknowledge that my arm could break. So I was just. I kept going. Kept going. Kept going. That's what. That's adrenaline for you. I'm sure. I'm sure there's a lot more stories of competitors doing that. Yep. Um, UFC fighters. How do you take big bombs to their face and? leg kicks and body kicks and keep going keep going keep going a lot of the times that's the adrenaline that's, that's going it. yeah so you know if you want pressure if you seek pressure then competition is definitely one of the an option for you mm. so then um you know let's talk about this some more is pressure good for you or is it bad for you what is it for you maddie i'd like your opinion i think uh, it's something I, I was told a lot coming up in my jiu-jitsu journey is yeah. you, you, go, you go compete to feel pressure, to, to have the pressure put on you mm -hmm. and learn your holes under pressure because under pressure is when all of your training actually shines. That, that, there's the, the saying, you don't try a new technique in a competition because when you're under pressure, you're going, you're, you're going to your, you're reverting to your natural instincts so pressure is really, really important to, to, to pressure test yourself, to put yourself under pressure and see how you respond. And I think there's a, definitely a place for it. Do I want pressure all the time? Probably not. Well, it depends. You don't, you don't learn under pressure. You can, but how many people, like if, you, if, you're, if your learning methodology was sink or swim, I'm gonna throw this five-year-old into the deep end and well, that's pressure. Yeah. You throw it in the deep end of a pool, sink or swim. Not how many are actually going to swim out of there. Y yeah. You might sink, but at the same time, like you're going to be there to catch the infant, you know, mm. so he's definitely not going to drown, but he's going to feel like, oh my Lord, mm. he's going to feel the pressure mm -hmm. of needing to swim right now or die. Yes. In, in, their, in their perspective, it's either they do it or they die. Yes. And we know for a fact that it's not like that. And your body perceives pressure in a different way too. Mm. Um, so you might feel like you're gonna die just before you go into a competition, but you're not gonna die in a comp. No. You might tap, that's possible, but you're not gonna die. You might get humiliated mm. 50 nil on points, but you're not gonna die. I, but think, you know, I, I think I lost my first match I ever had, like 20 nil on points. Yeah. Happens. You're still alive today? Yeah, I still am. Well, you know, still here. Yes. 
So in any case, I, I think pressure could be very beneficial for you. And as I was saying before, I think being like get, getting out of your comfort zone is a good idea too, but not when you're doing it compulsively. You know, it's not a, you're not compulsively looking for that adrenaline dump because that then you're being controlled in a way mm. by your desire to kind of have it, yeah, to feel that. You know, so I I think I don't think pressure is a bad thing whatsoever. And they say pressure makes diamonds. Um, I think that's you know. I just think we have to be careful with how we apply the pressure. Mm. So, for example, you're driving a car, and you like you can go fast mm. in the car, right? Mm-hmm. But what happens if your goal is like if you're always going fast? You'll be that guy who's approaching a red light and like speeding up, and you stop. Like so, it's like yeah. you know, like so. So there's a time to kind of cruise. There's a time to go faster. There's a time to go slower. And I think it's important that we understand like each stage mm-hmm. of our jiu-jitsu journey, each stage of our learning process, each stage of our life, mm-hmm. right? So you touched on this before, the need to win versus the need to learn. What you said before, Maddie, was really interesting. You, you were saying that you don't go into a, into a competition to learn, you go in there to win. Mm. I'm not fubbing that, am I, at all? No, close enough, yeah. Yeah. So, so what I, I like that and I agree because, you know, when I first started competing, I was just happy to be there. So imagine you got a UFC fighter who gets to the UFC and he's like, I've made it now. That's it. Yeah, Whatever done. happens, happens. You, you, know? Done. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm happy to be, I'm just happy to be Complacent. here. Complacent. Then you better believe that the guy he goes up against who really badly wants it is probably going to win it. Khabib, uh, so you guys, um, we're going to release this probably next Wednesday, but for us right now, um, coming up this weekend is the Khabib Gaethje fight. And Khabib was talking about, um, he's like, in MMA, he's like, it's it's all mental. He's like, first and foremost, it's a mental game. Secondly, you know, it's a skill game. But first and foremost, it's mental. So um, the person who's ready to win is probably going to win. So if you're going in there just to learn, then you're probably not going to win. No. So your goal is going to be to learn. I agree. But I think regardless of whether you win or learn, the experiences that come from competition are going to help you learn after. Mm. And I don't think with regards to that pressure, when there's pressure on you, I think the learning, um, at least the lessons, are so much more highlighted because you might think, oh, you know, uh, my, my half guard's pretty good. But then you go into a competition, you get put in half guard. Someone passes it. And like someone pff, passes it like butter and you don't have any solutions. Or someone's sitting there, you have, oh, shit, what do I do now? And you got some blank spots in your brain. You don't have a plan. Then, then that's... But if that had happened to you in a class, in just regular training, you might kind of... There's a tendency to kind of forget about it a little bit too. Absolutely. There's one thing I'd like to touch on there and about the learning afterwards and how it highlights things too. And this is touching back on the adrenaline. For me, when I had that adrenaline, I didn't remember the role. Like I I knew I was there. As I said, I didn't have a blackout, but by the end of it, I was tired. I was exhausted. I didn't really remember a lot of the specifics of what happened because there's so much intensity in that role. So if you want to have those things highlighted to you, make sure to film your competition matches so you can go back and review where you went wrong. Mm-hmm. That's just something I wanted to touch it, touch on because you're probably, 
in my experience, not going to remember some of those details. Once film you it. Add, yeah, film it. Yeah. Because otherwise you won't remember from the adrenaline dump. You won't remember what happened. Okay. And then I feel like, to be honest, like um, the first few comps, the first few times you have to respond to adrenaline, you have to deal with it. Mm. Then you kind of tend to black out. Mm. But the more you do it, Maddie, I think by the 20th competition, you'd remember more than you did on the first one. Absolutely. So, yeah. so with that being said, you're kind of getting used to dealing with the with adrenaline, dealing with yeah. pressure. I mean, if I wanted to start competing again, I'd want to be in going in as many competitions as I could, rather than just going. Oh, I'm just going to go in this one here, maybe just this one. It sounds like a fun intro to com- competition. Yeah. It's like, well, no, because competition, for lack for lack of a better word, comes at a different intensity. I need to adjust to that intensity again because I haven't been there in a long time. So mm-hmm. I'd want to go in five, six, seven competitions in a row. I'd want to get my hands in every month. I'd want to be competing. And it's a lot on the body. It's a lot to, to commit to. But that's when, yeah, after your fifth, fifth competition in five months, you're going to be remembering what, what's happening in every match because you'll have adjusted to it again. Well, you're getting good at the... At the you get familiar you get f- familiar with the feeling it's no longer outside of and you get better zone. at the response you yeah, know like absolutely. you respond better mm. and that's how your performance becomes better too correct um so yeah like you know if you're going into the comp to just to learn then i think you're setting yourself up for failure to be honest you know so go in there with your best intention go in there to win like why not you're there so like, like if you're in a competition go there to win and you know, we had the Sparks Fly comp um, recently at Higher Jiu-Jitsu, and it was epic, and we managed to raise over $2,000 to help disadvantaged kids around the area gain access to Gracie Jiu-Jitsu um, with the help of Mr. Sammy Arterton Johnson, mm-hmm. um, and that was so much fun, and it was beautiful. And there are a lot of comp- a lot of newbies that just jumped in. They said, you know what, John, I'm listening to you. You're, you're encouraging us to compete. I'm going to compete. Mm-hmm. And... They might not have been going in there to win, but it just depends, right? That was a nice, that was a in, fairly insignificant internal comp where you're going up against your friends. Yes. And that's a time where you're definitely going to feel, you're definitely going to feel pressure. Like it, you can't go, you can't move away from that because, you know, there were Northern Beaches people there. Yep. There were people watching you. People were like, come on, Maddie, let's go, let's go. Come on, do this, do that. You got two minutes to go. You're down 5 nil on the scoreboards. You know like, that, all that stuff is still happening. That's just triggered this memory, what you just said. Pressure. And I want to... I wanna Pressure. There comes a point in competition, for me, when you're tired mm-hmm. and someone's on top of you. Yeah. And you know you're behind on points. And there's part of you that's just like, I'm exhausted. I want to quit. Yeah. And it's pushing through that and not quitting. That, that, that That's part of the pressure. For me, anyway, like... I remember in the last internal comp, I think I had Nick on top of me and we'd yeah. been going pretty hard for four or five minutes or maybe it was Danny or, or Oscar. And I was like, oh, I've got this person squishing me. I'm tired. I don't want to do this. This is painful. No, nah. cut that crap out. Cut, as you said, cut that thought out and put your energy into the positive. I'm going to win. I'm going to sweep. You know, don't, yeah. don't feed the, the negative thought. And to be honest, I think that's one of the biggest benefits you get from competition. Even if you win, you know, the accolades that you get from winning and the boss going like, oh, well done, man, you won, you won gold. Like that doesn't really matter so much. I think what matters is like the, is the internal process that you go through 
whilst competing and, but not like peri competition before during mm. after um is like all of that internal stuff that happens like mm. before the comp i remember thinking like what the hell am i doing like i'm not even good enough to like people beat me in the gym let alone going up against other people i'm not ready to compete what the hell what am i doing what am i doing mm. it's like you know like, like uh you have the the negative on the one side and the yeah, positive like on the, the other the, side. The devil and an angel on each yeah. shoulder. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that's kind of what's happening there like the whole time. Mm. And your brain is still working mid-roll mid in comp. Mm. And you admitted to that. You admitted to having those like quitting thoughts in your brain. Mm. I'm sure a lot of people have those quitting thoughts in their brain. What about these UFC fighters? Oh. I'm sure they also have these thoughts in their brain. But that's part of the fun. That's part of the process, I it should is. say. And some people do not want to sniff of it. And it's not fun for them. It's mm. the worst thing ever. Mm. And I, I feel like that can, um, it, it is what it is and each to their own. Um, but I think if you're, if you're, if you have a growth mindset, if you're there, if you're, if you're learning for life, if you're there to develop yourself, then I think there's part of you that seeks out those times, to mm. be honest. And at least seeks out the difficult situations. Because if you're always running from difficulty and you're always staying just easy within that comfort zone, always, then there's no growth. And there needs to be some growth. So after that comp, did you quit, Maddie, when no. Nick was on top of you? No. What'd you do? What kept, What happened? Keep, I, explain I, that story. I started moving. I'd, I found ways to adjust the, the, the position, to adjust the situation, to adjust myself. Even though, like, there's almost like, as I said, with adrenaline, there's almost like a physical state of feeling unwell mm -hmm. that comes with it. And it's learning to push that aside, numb it, and go, oh, I can push through, I can change this, I can work it, I can work my way out. Mm -hmm. And I did. And how'd you feel afterwards? Great. I mean, I think I still lost, but it was still great. Like, if, Why was it great? Well, do you think I want to tap to side control pressure just because I'm tired? no no one wants to do that like that's and so it felt great that you overcame yeah i overcame my own adversity internally rather than necessarily winning a gold medal i overcame the the negative thoughts where i wanted to quit and didn't enjoy it yes and that's my whole point right there mm. i think that's a very very important part of it's it it's a very powerful part of competition yes and i think that's a big part of the joy of competing to be honest mm. and the benefits of competing Hmm. is the is the you're, you're almost forced into awareness of where you go you know it's like and then a lot of us we have different responses to stimulus different responses to some people fight some people flight some people freeze some people focus right yeah some people turn into a deer in the headlights right yes and i think it's i think that i don't think you know what where you're at i don't think is a fixed spot I think you can work on it, but I think in order for you to work on it, you have to be aware of how you actually respond, which means slowly seeking out those times, you know, where you will be, um, where, where there will be pressure. Um, yeah, so so good job, Maddie, for for standing for withstanding that situation, and I'd I'd say the same thing for all the competitors. I'm certain all the competitors in Sparks Fly and higher fights for the fires and every single competition, I'm sure a lot of people get into that state where they're like, oh, f shite. You know, like there's, 
this isn't going well for me. I want to quit. No, don't quit. No, no, keep going. Mm-hmm. Breathe. Oh my God, I'm so tired. I feel like I'm going to pass out. No, keep going. Keep going. Keep going. There's nothing left in the tank. No, keep going. Keep going. Just keep going. You'll find that if, if, if you keep telling yourself there's nothing in the tank, there'll be nothing in the tank. If you yes. tell yourself there's still some reserves, you'll find the reserves. And you do that with that little thought, that little voice in your head. And that little voice in your head can work with you sometimes. It can work against you. But the little voice in your head is actually your voice, and it's you. Yeah. And you're in control of that voice. Sometimes you don't feel like you're in control of it, but you're definitely in control of it. Absolutely. So develop it. Develop the skill of control, maybe. Um, here's the thing. You can't control that voice either. You can't like force that voice into certain ways of talking. But what, you know what you can do, Maddie? You can guide it. You can train it. You can train it. But how do you, you train things by respecting them mm-hmm. and you train things by becoming aware of them. That's the yes. first step. Awareness is the first step to change. Mm. So become aware of those situations, put, which means you have to put yourself in those situations. Yeah, you have to be experienced in it and gain experience in it. Yeah. Absolutely. You know? Um, so yes, in the grand scheme of things, Maddie, a loss in competition is an opportunity to learn and grow. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, losing gets old pretty quick. Yeah. If you had tapped, you know, you, you might feel like you've let your coach and your teammates down. You know, after the comp, your friends give you crap for being eliminated first round. Those, you know, the boss. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that's just common. Those those comments are common. Yeah. Um, it's, it's rich from the armchair peanut gallery who've never competed or thrown down. Exactly. You know, learn to, of if, course. if you're on the receiving end of that, don't be baited into a fight learn to acknowledge these are people who aren't putting themselves in any stress yeah, like man, this of course so who are they to t- actually make a comment and when the going got tough i'm sure your boss would just wilt like right. what he said you were yeah exactly you know um so stuff that like don't worry about that but it's also um it's nice to win you know um you know, like, it's nice to feel like you've it, like you've done something you've put yourself out there because it's like going for a big run it's like it doesn't feel good initially but post run it's like oh that felt great you know what one of the best feelings i ever had with regards to competition was when i really wanted to quit really really wanted to quit wanted to give up and then i ended up winning the match i didn't quit i didn't yeah. tap out i won the match and i had my hand raised and it's like you're overjoyed not only did you not quit, but you came out on top. Yeah, and, and you know what? Nobody remembers that, Maddie, except for you. But man, that's, that's the a, most important part. That's a feeling like you don't forget because it's so overwhelming. Yeah. You know, knowing that you've hit this bottom, not really hitting rock bottom, but you're at this moment where you, you, you want to give up more than anything. Yeah. But you choose not to. You choose to keep pushing and then you overcome. Mm-hmm. We improvise, adapt and overcome you know what we do that's beautiful and even if you lose you can improvise after a loss yep you can adapt your in your training mm-hmm. then you can overcome as well you know by getting better uh, shore up those holes that's the thing man and you know we're, we're, we're here to learn we're here to get better um you know <clears throat> so you know uh the desire to learn moves to the desire to win to win you know and that's good for you the fact that you're that you does like you want to win mm-hmm. and you're, you're aiming high that's the other thing you know having expectations of yourself and 
if you're the kind of person that's like, oh, I'm, I'm always gonna suck, I suck at this, you know, I'm gonna go into a comp, I'm gonna lose, I'm such a loser, then there you go, there's that thought in your brain, that voice in your head, that's super pessimistic, and that's not like respecting yourself and what you are, and mm-hmm. you know, the efforts that you're putting in. Um, you know, uh, take a moment and think about where you're at in this journey of jiu-jitsu. Let's say you're a white belt or even a blue belt. Are your skills at a level to be tested? Is it the right time of your journey to go from learning to winning? Take note that winning and learning can be two very di- can be two very different things, and that's what you were talking about before. Mm. Um, so what I'm what I guess we're getting at here is when you're in comp, you're there to win. Because yes. if you're not there to win in competition, then you're probably gonna lose. And you know, you don't, what's the point of going into a competition if you're setting yourself up to lose? You might as well not go into it anyway. So you go into a comp to win. And there is a little bit of a discrepancy now between the win ID and the learn ID. And I think this is where the competition, like to compete or not to compete, I think a big part of the answer is in this. When you try to win, you do everything it takes to achieve the outcome you want. As you said, you won't try new things. You will force things when they need to be forced. You will bite down on your mouthpiece in order to will your way to the win. So you're using willpower, you're using force, you know, and you're you're trying your hardest to win. I, I remember when I was in Brazil, there was, uh, we were in um, Gracie Humaita, mm-hmm. and we were having that crazy rolling evening with like 100 black belts on the mat. That was pretty tight. That, tough. Was, that was scary. It was amazing. <laughs> but I remember there was this one brown belt there, his four-stripe brown belt, and he was a guest as well, not not with us, but and he was there talking to some of the black belts, like, yeah, I came I came second in, in the world at blah, blah, blah in my, in my weight division. And he's like, yeah, the guy had a, an e-bar or whatever it was, uh, he was he was extending it. He got it. He got it. And, but I didn't tap. I'm a tough guy. I didn't tap, and I got the I got the sec the silver medal. It's yeah, like, right. all right. So you cared more about winning than your longevity in the sport. How are you going to learn jujitsu if you can't train for six months with a broken leg, a blown out knee? It's very hard to learn. So that's that's kind of that duality. It's when you're you're winning, you're doing everything to 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 get that goal of the outcome of the win, when you're there to win, sorry. Mm-hmm. If your outcome is to win, that's the level that some people will go to to get a win. Yeah. But on the opposite end of the spectrum, that's not there for learning. That's That attitude is not going to help you learn. All right. I don't think learning and winning have to be on opposite ends of the spectrum. True. You know what I mean? I just think that... But that the, attitude is... There's a different attitude, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, and... As a competitor, when you're competing, you want to win. Mm-hmm. When you're doing jiu-jitsu, you want to learn. So there's that bit of that disparity right there, right? Yes. And when you understand that there's different intentions at play here, you will then understand why it's important to compete and look to win at the right time in your journey. Yes. But it's not like you're... Do you feel ready, Maddie? now? Uh, physically, no. I'd, I'd, I'd really like to... I would have liked to have dived into competitions this do you, year. Okay. Do you feel not, like you're the end product of your jiu-jitsu journey? Hell yeah. no. I don't either. I'm a black belt, matey, and I don't feel like I'm at the end. 
So you can also bog yourself down in this idea of I'm not ready yet, I'm not ready, I'm not ready. But you might not ever be ready. No. But at the same time, there's a learning process. There's a time to learn. There's, a, there's the time to win. And I think if we, if you can categorize this, the more successfully you can categorize, segment, compartmentalize the intention to win and that of learning, then competition can become beneficial for you. Absolutely. Yeah? Yeah, spot on. So, but the goddamn injuries, Maddie. The injuries. That's probably what's the one thing keeping me from competing. Sure, that and yeah. COVID. Yeah, COVID. <laughs> no competitions this year. So, we can set you up with a subversion if you want. <laughs> Anyways, I don't train way hard enough for, That's the for thing. that stuff, right? And look, this is, leads on to our next point. Thank you very much. Sure, you can learn when competing as well, especially when you lose and when you win. But here's the thing. When you don't have the basic skills of Gracie Jiu-Jitsu and when you don't have the understanding of the essential principles that make our art form what it is, then a competition role isn't so much a Jiu-Jitsu match as it is a, back, as it is a backyard role with a stranger. So sometimes you go into a jiu-jitsu competition and you see two people go at it and they're just white belts and you can tell they haven't had more than a month on the mats. And it's almost like that doesn't have to happen, to be honest. Because what I'm getting at is you need need a product in order to test the product. Yes. But if you don't have the product yet, then what are you doing? You wouldn't test drive a Ferrari if you don't even have your L's. You've never driven a car before. Well, yeah, learn, learn, get the license first. Excuse me, sorry. Get the license and then go for it. Yep. It's, it's chaotic if you don't. It can become very, very problematic. Here's the other part of this is like I get that competitions, the vast majority of competitors are white belts too. So if you cut out the white belt competition, then you got like very little revenue coming in. You have a lot less people competing, which might not necessarily be a bad thing for us as competitors and coaches. Pretty, pretty good. But we're not running comps, we're not organizing, yeah. we're not looking to make money off competition. So it's a bit different right there. Yeah. Um, you know, the technique is off when you're just getting started. You're using force in order to make things happen rather than leverage. It's not your fault. You haven't had time to learn. Your fault or not, however, this is exactly the time that injuries happen. These injuries are hardly accidental. The writing was on the wall. As I said last time, Maddie, I got armbar during my first ever match. I didn't really even know what an armbar was. Was I don't think we'd ever. I don't think we'd gone through the part of the curriculum where we knew close guard armbars. But I was just, I was like, I'd hear, I'd hear our coaches say, "Hey, everyone, make sure you compete." You know, we highly encourage everyone to compete. I was like, "All right, I'll compete." What's this? What's this guy doing to my arm? Crack! Oh shit! <laughs> but I have to win. Get it out. You know, keep fighting. Um, and that's the problem. Whereas now, in a black belt comp, even though black belt matches are a little bit um, more calculated, let's say, you know when that when a when a submission is on, mm. and it depends on the level. I'm sure at world's level, you got to break stuff in order for it to like. Yeah, well, that's what I was saying before with that brown belt. You know, it's like you're going to have to make him not able to walk for well, him to tap. Yeah. 
But that's how you. But that's how you know that your submissions are effective as well. If I'm going to get you in an armbar and you don't tap, sorry, but this arm should break. Like yes. it, it should break, because that's what an armbar ought to do. Yes. But if you don't tap and I'm trying to apply it and I, it's not breaking, then there's something wrong with my with my submission. Yes. Yeah, your arm. If you can't break my arm with an armbar, it's not a good armbar. Yeah. And that's how <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not donating my arm for you to test that. No, well, in training or not, but maybe if it's like a, a final of, yeah, the the world Sydney BJJ Open. No, I'm joking. <laughs> like Sydney, I don't care, <laughs> I don't care enough about a Sydney Open for for my um. That's my point, you know. But maybe if I got to the if I was a black belt and I got to the the gold medals of the, of the worlds, I'd be like, oh, kind of like uh, was it Vitor and John Jones? Yes, Vitor Belfort. It looks like he broke John Jones' arm. Yeah, I, I think he did. And John um, Jones was like, nah, I'll, like, I'll go it. through it. Yeah. You didn't kill me, man. But you know what? That's why John Jones is pretty much um, undefeated. And that's why he's probably pound for pound the greatest. Who knows? Arguable. But that's why. Because he's got that that grit, that yes. determination. You know, so, um, I, you know, that arm bar that was happening, you know, I didn't know how to defend it. But I didn't want to lose either. My whole family was there. So then I gripped my teeth. Mm-hmm. I took some damage to the arm, but I got it out. You know, and I, with the with the old grin and bear and pull it out technique, <laughs> and I continued on for an, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> continued on for an ugly points victory. And thankfully that day I didn't do any serious damage to my elbow. The cracks and tears were probably just ligament stretching, hopefully. And you know, me and my arm lived to fight another day. Injuries, however, are a problem for anyone and everyone. It takes time and pain and resources and lots of upheaval upheaval to recover from an injury, especially a serious one. In this instance, I was fine, but many practitioners aren't as lucky and end up with permanent damage. I've seen so many like spinal problems, you know, and um, I saw one girl's shoulder last time I went to a comp, AJ was competing. Oh my Lord, this shoulder was mangled. Because it was white belt matches and yep. there was a kimura happening and the person didn't want to tap and then before you know it, you know, it's not it's not rocket science. Yeah, it always seems to be I'm not saying always, but more often than not white belts that don't want to lose that get something broken. Or as you said, they don't know any better because they don't have the experience. Yes. I have seen a purple belt knock himself out. He went for a flying <laughs> he went for a flying armbar or a flying triangle. And dove and smacked his head on the mats and just knocked himself out <laughs> cold. And it's like, all right, that was pretty funny. Um, that was that yeah, sounds funny. If be, <laughs> yeah, was... look, it's a shame, you know. There's and it's not conducive to long-term practice or quality of life. And yet these injuries happen all the time. So, is it jiu-jitsu for glory, or is it jiu-jitsu for a lifetime, or can it be both? At the end of the day, whatever decision you make about when to enter into a competition and or when to even compete at all, it needs to be right for you. People are motivated by different things and it's on you to decide after careful informed consideration of your options. So what we're doing now, Maddie, is I'm trying to break things down for our, our you awesome listeners. Would compete or not to compete? Some people seek thrills from everywhere and can definitely find it in the competition scene. Usually it's these people that will thrive in the spotlight of Jiu-Jitsu competition, and it's on them to continue to improve and learn in order to grow and improve. You can find glory within Jiu-Jitsu on the competition mats, 
and you can also find it off the mats too. For the majority of people that do jiu-jitsu, I find, I feel, Maddie, the glory is in attending class consistently and making lifelong friends and staying healthy and steering away from injury and building awareness of your body and staying healthy with constantly improving skills for on the mats as well as off them. And for a lot of people, that's enough. Yeah. A lot of people don't need any more. Yeah, you know how many people like train under John Danaher, let's say, that don't compete? Probably heaps. The vast majority, I'd say. Yeah. You know, but because like you got certain competitors that garner a lot of attention, and so you're like, okay, so anyone who trains under Danaher is like must be an awesome competitor, but it's not the case. You know, like people, even John Danaher has everyday practitioners that are just aren't interested in competition. And that is perfectly fine. And you know what? They probably give the likes of Gordon, Nicky Ryan, and all these guys like a ton of trouble. And I'm sure if they did compete, if they wanted to compete, then they'd do good. Mm. But they don't want to. And that's totally fine because they're still enjoying their jiu-jitsu. They're mm. still getting what they want from their jiu-jitsu. It's a unique kind of decision, I think. It's, a, it's one that's based on a lot of factors and a lot of personal factors. And I think it's best for the decision to be made by you yourself. Um, for others, you know, they'll enjoy testing their jiu-jitsu against other jiu-jitsu practitioners in a more intense setting with the pursuit of glory and hard-learned lessons. For both people, competition could be a fun outlet for your um, competitive drive, you know, and a chance to test yourself in a different environment um, to anything that you've ever encountered before. Yeah, and I, I mean, think- Different gyms have a lot of different styles. Yeah, yeah, it's so nice to feel different styles. Get exposed to what you know they're going to come at you with. They might come at you with some weird worm guard that we we, we don't practice worm guard. So um, that's not to say it's not efficient, but it's just not at the, the the front of our focus. You know, our attention isn't on the worm guard. So you you're going to get exposed to some stuff you've never seen before. Mm-hmm. Just like when we get some students come in from different schools, you know, and nice dudes, and they're welcome. Um, and they do like different techniques and now some of our students like look at it and like oh what's this and it's like it's a, it's a, it's a puzzle you got to figure it's it out. a puzzle and all the jiu-jitsu is a puzzle mm-hmm. doesn't mean one certain puzzle is different to another certain puzzle the thing that we're thinking about though uh, at, like right at the start um, of this podcast I was saying that you got jiu-jitsu versus non-jiu-jitsu and then you got jiu-jitsu versus jiu-jitsu and I think a big part of our um practice is also understanding what happens if it's jiu-jitsu versus non-jiu-jitsu and a lot of people focus solely on the jiu-jitsu versus jiu-jitsu component Mm. Um, it just depends on what you're after yeah yeah Mm. Um, as long as we aim to be safe and keep the experiences within the realms of learning for the future we can have fun and everyone is happy no matter what you choose whether you compete or not compete. It's got to be right for you. As you said, everyone has to make their own decision. I understand if you're a personal trainer, yeah, you may be really good at jiu-jitsu. You may be primed to go into a competition and win. But for you, that might not be right because there is a risk, a greater risk of injury when people are coming at you to win. Mm -hmm. There's a greater risk that they're going to grab onto something and just... Bah, explode into your arm yeah and that puts you out of work 
Mm-hmm. So you've got to take there's, – there's external factors into all these considerations that I can't tell you that you need to know for yourself. Yeah. Yes, Maddie. Like, as – I think our school is awesome. I'll tell you why. Because the fact that we don't have those, the competition at the forefront of what we do means that we can play a little bit better, a little bit nicer, a little bit e- nicer, mm. be more gentle without – a string like a super focus on the outcome if i grapple with you and we don't submit each other i'm like i'm okay i'm not really thinking about the points we train today you know we practice all these different techniques that was fun and it was fun because there wasn't a focus on the outcome like god forbid maddie beats me on points or submits me like it's okay but if i had a comp coming up and then you're submitting me i don't like that and i don't want that to happen yeah you know, and if I have a comp coming up, I'm working on my own skills and I don't really care for yours, to be honest, right now. Because my focus is on the yeah. comp. My focus is on me winning. Yeah. So it just changes the ethos. It changes the intention. Yes, of what's happening. And I think it's up to everybody, you know. If you, I think you can do both. I, I, I think you can enjoy competition and I think you can... Um, do jiu-jitsu for a lifetime i just think you need to be a little bit careful and just if you can t- if you take anything from this podcast have kind of parameters mm. you know know when it's time to compete and then feel comfortable going back into just normal playful jiu-jitsu for learning um don't be compelled don't be you know don't have that compulsion in your head like i have to win have to win have to win all the time because i think that does more damage in the long run than has benefits yeah yeah it creates very yeah does that make sense maddie absolutely it does um uh, anything else to add here maddie to compete or not to compete our listeners are wondering they're looking do they want to jump in the next comp once COVID pisses off Anything to add, Maddie? Look, if you're going to do it, understand. You said you just said it yourself. Understand your intention. Understand the impacts it will have. You know, in that, as you said, you're, you're no longer care. You're caring about you winning at all costs. Mm-hmm. So understand that if you're winning, if your intention is to win at all costs, what are those costs? And it's it's, it's a balance, right? Mm-hmm. So understand what you're giving up for that chasing that gold medal. You know, I, I, for, as an example, I remember when we used to train many years ago, it would be competition team over here. You're just, it was essentially rolling nonstop for an entire class. Yeah. And people who want to learn and not compete, I'm not going to say learn, but people, non-competitors well, over here s- would... To be honest, man, pretty much. Yeah. Like learn. <laughs> yeah. If you, if you want to learn over here, if you want to compete over here and competitors, and there, there's me as a... a th- two stripe one stripe no stripe white belt jumping in with the competitors it's going yeah yeah but it's like two bulls butting heads like, yeah okay that's great but uh, as we've literally just said in the podcast you, you don't have the fundamentals there at that level to, to be in there just butting heads and fighting for victory it's not a, a wise in my eyes it's not a wise strategy as a, as a no stripe white belt to be competing but hey you do you you do you, everybody. Um, I hope this podcast helps you. Do you? I hope it. Um, I hope 
you enjoyed the discussion. I wanted this to be a discussion because everyone's on their own path, you know, and a lot of people live and die by competition. A lot of people absolutely hate competition. Look, it's fun. I think we can sit in the middle, you know, and kind of go things on a case-by-case basis. And hey, you might go in a competition and realize that you do hate it. I remember Steve Maxwell was telling us that one of his students basically would spank everyone in the gym and then went into a competition and was a deer in the headlights and just froze up. Mm -hmm. So you might go in there and that's you. There's nothing wrong with that, right? Um, But as we also said, that's an opportunity for you to learn and start to shift the way your internal monologue works too. So it all depends how you want to look at it, how you want to frame it and what you want to get out of it. I love it. Us, I think I think that's perfect way to finish. I think it is. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for listening. Um, can I say this one more time? I, uh, I appreciate. We appreciate you guys listening um, and being a part of the podcast. And if you have any questions or anything you want us to to speak about, please hit us up. It's um, it's fun. It's always fun listening to feedback that we get from this podcast. Um, so thank you. Us. Us, everybody.